everybody and welcome back to um the second last screw tape episode i guess mm-hmm. what a what a wild ride what a wild ride with demons and clarity <laughs> i don't know <laughs> i don't know now we know what they're thinking yeah uh, yeah, I guess let's just jump into it. Today we're going to do the last four um, chapters, chapter 28 to 31. Yeah, cool. Uh, my dear Wormwood, when I told you not to fill your letters with rubbish about war, I meant, of course, that I did not want to have your rather infantile rhapsodies about the def- death of men and destruction of cities. In so far as the war really concerns the spiritual state of the patient, I naturally want full reports. And on this aspect, you seem singularly obtuse. Thus, you tell me with glee that there is reason to expect heavy air raids on the town where the, set, where the creature lives. This is a crying example of something I have complained about already. Your readiness to forget the main point in your immediate enjoyment of human suffering. Do you not know that bombs kill men? Or do you not realize that the patient's death at this moment is precisely what we want to avoid? He has escaped worldly friends with whom you tried to entangle him. He has fallen in love with a very Christian woman and is temporarily immune from your attacks on chastity and the various methods of corrupting his spirit, which we have been trying are so far unsuccessful. At the present moment, as the full impact of the war draws nearer and the worldly hopes take a proportionately lower place in his mind, full of his defense work, full of a girl forced to attend his neighbor's attend to his neighbors more than he has ever done before and liking it more than he expected taken himself taken out of himself as humans say and daily increasing in the conscious dependence on the enemy he will most certainly be lost if he is killed tonight this is so obvious that i am ashamed to write it i sometimes wonder if you young fiends are not kept out on temptation duty too long if you are not in some danger of becoming infected by the sentiments and the values of the humans among whom you work. They, of course, do tend to regard death as prime evil and survival as the greatest good, but that is because we have taught them to do so. Do not let us be infected by our own propaganda. I know it seems strange that your thief aim at the moment should be the very same thing for which the patient's lover and his mother are praying, namely his bodily safety, but so it is. You should be guarding him like the apple of your eye. If he dies now, you lose him. If he survives the war, there is always hope. The enemy has guarded him from you through the great wave of temptations. But if only he can be kept alive, you have time itself for your ally. The long, dull, monotonous years of the middle-aged prosperity or middle-aged adversity are excellent campaigning weather. You see, it is so hard for these creatures to persevere. The routine of adversity, (laughs) Uh, the gradual decay of youthful loves and youthful hopes, the quiet despair, hardly felt as pain, of ever overcoming the crowding temptations with which we have again and again defeated them, the drabness which we create in our lives, and and the inarticulate resentment with which we teach them to respond to it. All this provides an admirable opportunity of wearing out a soul by attrition. If, on the other hand, the middle years have prosperous, our, pro- our position is even stronger. Prosperity knits a man to the world. He feels that he is finding his place in it, 
Well, really, it's finding its place in him. His increasing reputation, his widening circle of acquaintances, his sense of importance with growing pressure of absorbing the agreeable work, build on him a sense of really being at home in earth, which is just what we want. You will notice that the young are generally less unwilling to die in the middle ages, in the middle aged and the old. The truth is that the enemy, having oddly dis destined these mere animals to life in his own eternal world, has guarded them pretty effectively from the danger of feeling at home anywhere else. That's why we must often wish lifelong to our patients. Seventy years and not a day too much for the difficult task of unraveling their souls from heaven and building up a firm attachment to the earth. While they are young, we find them always shooting off at a tangent. Even if we contrive them to, to keep them ignorant of explicit religion and incalculable winds of fantasy and music and poverty, the mere face of a girl, the song of a bird, the sight of the horizon are always blowing our whole structure away. They will not apply themselves steadily to the worldly advancement, prudent connections, and the policy of the safety first. So, inveterate is their appetite for heaven that our best method at this stage is to attach them to the earth and make them believe that the earth can be turned into heaven at some future date by politics or eugenics or science or psychology or whatnot. Real worldliness is a work of the time assisted of course by pride for we teach them to describe the creeping death as a good sense or maturity or experience experience in particular sense we teach them to give it is by the by the most useful word a great human philosopher nearly let our secret out when he said that where virtue is concerned experience is the mother of illusion but thanks to the change in fashion and of course to the historical point of view, we have largely rendered his book innocuous. How valuable time is to us, that it may be gauged by the fact that the enemy allows us so little of it. The majority of the human race dies in infancy. Of the survivors, a good may die in youth. It's obvious to him that human birth is, is important chiefly as the qualification for human death, and death solely as the gate to the, that other kind of life. We are allowed to work only on a selected minority of the race, for what the humans call a normal life is the exception. Apparently he wants some, but only a very few of the human animals in which he is peopling heaven to have had the experience of resisting us through an earthly life of 60 or 70 years. Well, this is not our opportunity. The smaller it is, the better we must use it. Whatever you do, keep your patient as safe as you possibly can. Your affectionate uncle, Screwtape. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I got thoughts if you Go for want. It. Okay, so at the beginning, it was kind of interesting. It's like, uh, it's talking about uh, don't end his life now because then, then we lost him. You know, try to break him down, and then maybe when he's feeling bleak, then you try to get him to end it or something, and then we have him. But, uh, yeah, it's like if you're on the right track, you're doing good. Yeah, the enemy's not going to kill you. <laughs> It'd be his loss. Uh, the the ex next part was kind of interesting, just like he he even says writing up the times or whatever, and uh, where that second paragraph is about communism and how like they strive for like utopia, and if only we can manage this, then this mm -hmm. will be attained, where it's like n that humans don't work that way. You can't 
they they just don't work that way. Yeah, it's not it's not the point. Yeah, it yeah, even exactly. Says, yeah, the mere face of a girl, the song of a bird, or the sight of a horizon, they're blowing the demon's whole structure away. Yeah. Or, yeah. Oh. Yeah. So that that was very interesting too. Uh, and then the last little bit, um, I did get something out of it, but I'm kind of forgetting how it's valuable. <laughs> oh, that was interesting. Just kind of about how quick people die and stuff. Like, mm -hmm. uh, you yeah. have limited time, and yeah, it's 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 crazy to think that like, uh, even though, yeah, no, no, it's just it's just crazy. Too many people die in childbirth, but not so much anymore. Uh, yeah, it's wild to like even this whole like rainbow baby thing, like. My aunt had multiple miscarriages. My mom had a miscarriage. Like, it's so common. But and now... it's sad, obviously. It's obviously sad, but there's there's but, not nearly as many babies dying now than yeah. there was 100 years ago. Like, yeah. And women. <laughs> and women. But, like, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, just kind of interesting, the, you know, how much some things kind of change. But now I guess the big thing is that there's even more babies dying because of all the abortions. Yeah. So I guess it's happening even... Yeah. Sooner, that's crazy. Yikes. Sins of the father. Some, some things never changed, I guess, then. Well, I mean, haven't they always been doing, like, rituals and, like, killing the innocent and all that? <laughs> that not the yeah, yeah, yeah. Because you need innocent blood. Yeah. I mean, what do I know? I don't what know do I know about, about anything. anything? I don't know anything about I don't anything. I doing rituals in my backyard with innocent blood or anything. Like, don't right. have experience to talk on that. Um, okay, I guess chapter 29. Oh... Yeah. Enhance. Okay. My dear Wormwood, now that it is certain that the German humans will bombard your patient's town and that his duties will keep him in the thick of the danger, we must now consider our policy. Are we to aim for cowardice or at courage, with consequent pride or hatred of the Germans? Well, I'm afraid it is no good trying to make him brave. Our research department has not yet discovered, though through success is hourly expected, how to produce any virtue. This is a serious handicap. To be greatly and effectively weaken a man needs some virtue. What would Attila have done without his courage, or Sh Skylock without self-denial as regards to the flesh? But as we cannot supply these qualities ourselves, we can only use them as supplied by the enemy. This means leaving him as a kind of foothold in those whom otherwise we have made most securely our own. A very unsatisfactory arrangement, but I trust we shall one day learn to do better. Hatred we can manage. The tension of human nerves during noise, danger, and fatigue make them prone to any violent emotion, and is it is only a question of guiding this susceptibility into the right channels. If conscience resists, muddle him. Let him say that he feels hatred not on his own behalf, but on that of the woman and the children, and that a Christian is told to forgive his own, not other people's enemies. In other words, let him consider himself sufficient, sufficiently identified with the women and children to feel hatred on their behalf, but not su 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 sufficiently identified to regard their enemies as his own, and therefore proper objects of forgiveness. But hatred is best combined with fear, cowardice, along with all the vices, is purely painful, horrible to anticipate, horrible to feel, uh, horrible to remember. Hatred has its pleasures, 
if it is therefore often the comprehension compensation by which a frightened man reimburses himself with the miseries and fear the more he fears the more he will hate and hatred is also a good antidote for shame to make a deep wound in the charity in his charity which you should therefore first defeat his courage now this is the ticklish 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 business <laughs> tongue twisters. <laughs> Feeling quite ticklish today. Mm -hmm. We have made men proud of vice, most vices, but not of cowardice. Whenever we have almost succeeded in doing so, the enemy permits a war on an earthquake or some other calamity, and at once courage becomes so obviously loving and important even in human eyes that all our work is undone. And there is still at least one vice of which they feel genuine shame. The danger of introducing cowardice in our patients, therefore, is lest we produce real self-knowledge and self-loathing with consequent repentance and humility. And in fact, in a, the last war, thousands of humans, by discovering their own cowardice, discovered the whole mortal world for the first time. In peace, we can make many of them ignore good and evil, certainly in danger. The issue is forced upon them in a guise to which they cannot be blind. There is... There is here a cruel dilemma before us. If we promote justice and clarity of charity among men, we should be playing, playing directly into the enemy's hands. But if we guide them to the opposite behavior, this sooner or later produces, for he permits it to produce, a war on revolution. And the, mis uh, and the undistinguishable issue of cowardice and courage makes thousands of men from moral stupor. This indeed is probably one of the enemy's motives for creating a dangerous world. A world in which moral issues really come to the point. He sees as well as you do that courage is not simply one of its virtues, but the form of every virtue at testing point, which means at the point of highest reality, or chastity, or honesty, or mercy, which yields to the danger, it will be chaste, or honest, or merciful, only on conditions. Palate was merciful till he became risky. It is therefore possible to lose as much as we gain by making a man a coward. He may learn too much about himself. There is, of course, always a chance not of chloroforming the shame, but of aggravating it and producing despair. This would be a great triumph. It, should, it would show that he had believed in and accepted the enemy's forgiveness of the, his other sins only because he himself did not fully see their sinfulness. That in respect of one of the vice, which he really understands in full depth of dishonor, he cannot seek nor credit the mercy. But I fear you have already let him go too far in the enemy's school, and he knows that despair is a greater sin than any of the sins which provoke it. As to actual technique of temptations of cowardice, not much needed be said. The main point is precautions of a tendency to increase fear and precautions publicly enjoined on your patient, however, soon become a moral matter of routine and this effect disappears. What you must do to keep running in his mind side by side with the conscious attention of doing his duty. The vague idea of all sorts of things he can or cannot do inside the framework of duty, which seem to take to make him <clears throat> feel a little safer. Get his mind off the simple rule. I've got to stay here and do so and so. Into a series of imaginary lifelines. If A happened, though I very much hope it won't, I would could do B. And if it came to worse, I could do I, or I could always do C. Superstitious, if not recognized as such, can be awakened. 
The point is to keep fi- keep him feeling that he is something other than the enemy and courage uh, the enemy's supplies to fall back on. So that what was intended to be a total commitment to duty becomes honeycombed and all through with little unconscious reservations. By building up a series of imaginary expedients to prevent the worst coming to the worst, you may produce at that level of his will, which he is not aware of, a determination that that worse shall not come to the worst. Then, at the moment of real terror rush into his nerves or muscles, you may get the fatal act done before he knows what you're about. For remember, the act of cowardice is all that matters. The emotions of fear in and of itself, no sin, and though we enjoy it, does us no good. Your affectionate uncle, Screwtape. Thoughts? Feelings? Concerns? I have a few. So, I feel like this is going to be quite the tangent, though. Okay, so it's talking about, um, like, like he's going to, war brings hate. Mm-hmm. and killing people out of hate or whatever like so that's an interesting dynamic because we kind of talked about killing and like there's some necessary like in the bible he kills lots of people he tells people to kill <laughs> lots of people. like there's a whole bunch of that but for the greater good or whatever for land for whatever um people die but it's interesting if you i guess do it out of a sense of like protection for your country or instruction from god or whatever it's not yeah evil whereas if you do it out of hate for the other person it would be huh yeah like if you're following your conviction whatever that conviction might be mm-hmm. huh yeah um what else oh cowardice <laughs> yeah so i mean you can go on youtube tiktok whatever you do and look up um like man sends girlfriend with a or to defend himself in front of a gun or whatever. Oh, like yeah, yeah. Because that's the question. If people are like, well, so you're telling me that a guy breaks into your house with a gun, you're sending your girlfriend? Well, yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. Like, she's probably a better fighter than me. Like, I think she's pretty <laughs> scrappy. Like, that's not good. Like, you're a coward. And it's interesting that it was coupled with um, self-loathing and something else. Um, Where was that? Self-loathing and... No. Hmm. We're just looking for it. Um, self-knowledge and self-loathing? Yeah. So it's like, it's just so interesting. And it t- kind of talks about how it's dangerous if they start, like, you know, getting to know themselves and fixing themselves. Because yeah, Because yeah. then it's like, whoa, 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 we weren't... Yeah, like if you do something truly bad and it weighs on you, you'll either you'll either do something to fix it or you'll just kind of bury yourself in more bad yeah. to try to supplement the first. Thing. Yeah, so it could go either way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I kind of like how he describes why we're here. It's like it's good to talk, and I would do this in next situation, but uh, creating a dangerous world actually allows you to. T- to prove your morals, to prove your virtues or whatever, mm-hmm. you know, like if, yeah, you don't go to war, you don't, you're not able to prove you're courageous. If uh, a hooker doesn't walk up to you and offer you sex and you turn him down, you have no opportunity to, to yeah. show your chat, chastity, chastity, chastity yeah, yeah, you know. Yeah, no, that's interesting. Um, yeah, because that was always kind of, well, it still is one of my gripes about 
you know, the Christian religion and if we come from a God, like, why would you make so much bad things allow to happen? Like, why even allow it? Like, mm -hmm. I don't know. Like, I don't know. I just don't get it. I just don't get it. Oh, so you can prove, well, okay, so you can God's prove yourself, you yeah. And... But then I just think, okay, well, that's kind of a dick thing. Like, I didn't yeah. ask to be tested. Like, what the fuck? Yeah. Like, thanks. I didn't, yeah, like... It's just it's weird, yeah, weird. But uh, regardless, like, I do like that whole kind of, like, yeah, what danger's allowed to happen because then you can actually, tr like, test yourself. Well, and we even say it, too, because, like, like, I've heard people be like, well, everybody does it. Guys, every guy's like that. Every guy's like that. And you're, like, a walking example that is absolutely not true because you're not like that. And, yeah, no, like, it's it's possible to say no to the hooker. Or, <laughs> like, it's, yeah, it's very interesting. Okay. Very interesting. Swapping it around. Okay, so now we're on chapter 30. I'm just going to make it bigger. Okay, chapter 30. My dear Wormwood, I sometimes wonder whether you think that you've been sent to the world for your own amusement. I gather not from your miserably inadequate report, but from the infernal police that the patient's behavior during this first raid has been the worst possible. He has been very frightened and thinks himself of a great coward and therefore feels no pride, but he has done everything his duty demanded and perhaps a bit more. Against this disaster, all you can produce is the credit side, is a burst of ill temper with a dog that tripped him up, some excessive cigarette smoking, and the forgetting of a prayer. What is the use of whining to me about your difficulties? If you are proceeding on the enemy's idea of justice and suggesting that your opportunities and intentions should be taken into account, then I'm not sure that a charge of hearsay, heresy does not lie against you. At any rate, you will soon find that the justice of hell is purely realistic and concerned only with results. Bring us back food or be food yourself. Wow. <laughs> the only constructive passage in your letter is where you say that you still expect good results from the patient's fatigue that is well enough but you it won't fall into your hands fatigue can produce extreme gentleness and a quiet of mind and even something like vision if you have often seen med lead led led by it to anger malice and impatience this is because those men have had efficient tempers the paradoxical thing is that the moderate fatigue is a better soil for peevishness than absolute exhaustion this depends partly on physical causes, but partly on something else. It is not fatigue simply as such that produces the anger, but the unexpected demands on an already tired. Whatever men expect, they soon come to think that they have a right to. A sense of disappointment can, with very little skill on our part, be turned into a sense of injury. It is after men have given in to the irre irremediable remediable after they have despaired of relief and ceased to think that even a half hour ahead that the dangers of humbled and, and gentle weariness begin to produce the best results from the patient's fatigue therefore you must feed him with false hopes put him in put into his mind plausible reasons for believing the air raid will not be repeated keep him comforting himself with the thought of how much he will enjoy the bed the next night Exaggerate the weariness by making him think it will soon be over, for men usually feel that a strain could have been endured no longer at the very moment when it is ending, or when they think it's ending. In this, as in problem of cowardice, the thing to avoid is the total commitment. Whatever he says, 
let his inner resolution not bear whatever it comes to him, but to bear it for a reasonable period. And let that reasonable period be shorter than the trial is likely to last. It need not be much shorter. In attacks on patience, chastity, fortitude, it's fun to make the man yield. Just when, had he known it, relief was almost in sight. I do not know whether he is likely to meet the girl under conditions of strain or not. If he does, make full use of that fact up into the certain point. Fatigue makes women talk more and men talk less. Much secret resentment, even between lovers, can be raised from this. Probably the scene he is now witnessing will provide material for intellectual attacks on his faith. Your previous failures have put that out of your power, but there is a sort of attack on emotions which can still be tried. It turns on making him feel when he first sees human remains plastered on a wall, what the world is really like, and that all his religion has been fantasy. You will notice we have gotten him completely fogged about the meaning of the word real. They tell each other of great, some, great spiritual experience. All that really happened was that you heard some music in a lighted building. <laughs> Here, real means the bare physical facts separated from other elements in the experience they actually had. On the other hand, they will say, it's all very well discussed in the high dives as you sit here in an armchair, but wait till you get up there and see what it's really like. Here, real is being used in the opposite sense to mean not the physical facts, which they already know while discussing the matter in the armchairs, but the emotional effects those facts will have on the human consciousness. Either application of the world could to be could of the word could be defended, but our business is to keep the two going at once so the emotional value of the word real can now be placed on the one side of the account, now on the other, as it happens to suit us, of course. The general rule which we have now pretty well established among them is that in all experiences which we can make them happier or better only in the physical facts are real, while the spiritual elements are subjective. In all experiences which can discourage or corrupt them from the spiritual elements are, well, the spiritual elements oh, are the main reality, and to ignore them is to be an escapist. Thus, in the birth and the blood and pain are real, the rejoicing is merely subjective point of view. In death, the terror, the ugliness reveal what death really means. The hatefulness of a hated person is real in hatred, you see men's eye, men as they are. You are delusioned, disillusioned. But the loveliness of a loved person is mere subjective hazing concealing the real core of their sexual appetite or economic association. Wars and poverty are really horrible. Peace and plenty are merely physical facts about which men happen to have certain sentiments. The creatures are always accusing one another of wanting to eat the cake and have it, but thanks to our laborers, they are more often in the predicament of paying for the cake and not eating it. <laughs> Your patient, properly handled, will have no difficulty in regarding this emotion at the sight of human entrails as a revelation of reality, and emotion at the sight of happy children or fair weather as a mere sentiment. Your affectionate Uncle Screwtape. Okay. So... That one, it talks about how fatigue is used in so many different ways to just kind of weigh you down. Mm -hmm. um, 
Yeah, I was interested to see your perspective on this one. Yeah, like people just go crazy sometimes and just do a thousand different things from one thing to another and they're always tired and it's, then they start acting grumpy and whatever. Just dial it down a bit. You what know? about in some, like a situation with you where you just don't sleep? I mean, you're pretty much always great given yeah, like, how long you, but like how do you control that? I think it's intentional, like, just set time for yourself. Like, do you need to do all those things? Mm, yeah. I don't know. Some things that just make work for the sake of make work. Yeah. And, like, you know, you got to work hard, and obviously you got to do all that, and sometimes you got to grind, but... But busy because you don't want to be alone with yourself is different than having to get things done. Sure, exactly. And then you start, yeah, getting grumpy and doing weird stuff, start running weird mental games with yourself or Projecting, other people. Start yelling at yeah. everybody else. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, fatigue reality talked a lot it's interesting too because in this I'm thinking like they're in the middle of a war and like wars are not pretty I used to watch war movies with one of my friends in Canada and like it's not good even we were watching Master and Commander a few months ago and it's like gruesome and real and we've been listening to um, hardcore history and like just the detail of what happened to these people and we're yeah. just so far removed from real life events of actually trying to keep ourselves alive. Yeah, we're pretty lucky that way for sure. Yeah. Don't have to worry about marauders over the hill coming to fucking claim our skulls. Could you imagine? Oh, <laughs> that's wild. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, he took an interesting perspective on reality and what we interpret or our experiences or yeah yeah uh what are your thoughts on what he said about like the spiritual element versus physical and having or and then the reality um i don't know if i have anything specific really i always say especially when they said um well maybe it was in the last chapter about uh walking into a church and but no, it's just like some lights and some music and like ambiance and like. Oh yeah, yeah. Sure. I always talked about that where it's like yeah. you know how many chemicals, dopamine and like that's in that church. You get the same feeling at a concert or a hockey game or yeah. football game or whatever. Like community barbecue. Where two or more gathered. <laughs> <laughs> the Holy Spirit's just endorphins. Pumping. <laughs> yeah, very interesting. So is this the final chapter now? Uh yeah. Do you want to read it? Yeah. So we are at chapter 31. Just enhancing it, make it a little bigger. Because we're so old. Okay. My dear, my very dear Wormwood, my puppet, my pigsney, how mistaken now that all is lost you come whimpering to ask me whether the terms of affection in which I address you mean nothing from the beginning. Far from it, rest assured, my love for you and your love for me are like two peas. I always desire, hold on one sec, the, I need to enhance this little part here, getting cut off and it's making me stumble and grumble. <laughs> I always have desired <laughs> you as you pitiful fool desired me. The difference is that I am stronger. I think they will give you to me now, or a bit of you. Love you. Why, yes. As dainty a morsel ever as I grew fat on. <laughs> 
You have let us all slip through your fingers. The howling of the shrapnel famine for the loss re-echoes at this moment through all of the levels of the kingdom of noise, down to the very throne itself. It makes me mad to think of it. How well I know what happened at the instant when it, they snatched him from you. There was a sudden clearing of his eyes, was there not? As he saw you from the first time and recognized the part you had in him and he knew that you no longer had it. Just think and let it, uh, let it be the beginning of your agony. What he felt at this moment, as if a scab had fallen off from an old sore, as if he were emerging from a hideous shell-like teeter, as if he shuffled off for good and all defiled wet clingy garment. By hell, it is misery enough to see them in their mortal days taking off dirtied and uncomfortable clothes and splashing hot water and giving little grunts of pleasure, stretching their eased limbs. What then of this final stripping, this complete cleansing? The more one thinks about it, the worse it becomes. He got through so easily. No gradual misgivings, no doctor sentence, no nursing home, no operation theater, no false hopes of life. Sheer instantaneous liberation. One moment it seemed to be all the world. The scream of bombs, the fall of houses, the stinking taste of high explosive on the lips and the lungs, the feet burning with weariness, the cold hard, the heart cold with horrors, the brain reeling, the legs aching. Next moment, all was gone. Gone like a bad dream, never to be of any account. Defeated or outmaneuvered, you fool. Did you mark how naturally as if he had been born for it, the earth-bound vermin entered the new life? How all his doubts became in the twinkling of an eye ridiculous? I know what the creature was saying to itself. Yes, of course, it always was like this. All horrors are now followed with the same course, getting worse and worse, and forcing you into a kind of bottleneck till at the very moment when you thought you must be crushed, behold, you were out of the narrows and all of a sudden well. The extraction hurt more and more and then the tooth was out. The dream became a nightmare, then you woke. You die and you die and then you are beyond death. How could you have ever doubted it? As he saw you, he then saw them. I know how it was. You reeled back dizzily and blindly, more hurt by them than ever been by bombs. The degradation of it. That this thing of earth slime could stand upright and converse with spirits before of whom a spirit could only cower. Perhaps you had hoped that the awe and strangeness of it would dash his joy, but that the cursed thing, the gods are strange to mortal eyes, and yet they are not strange. He had no faintest conception till the very hour of how they would look, and even doubted their existence. But when he saw them, he knew that he had always known them, he had realized that their part each one of them had played in the many hours of his life when he had supposed himself alone, so that now he could say to them, one by one, who are you? But so, it was you all the time. All that they were, and said at this meeting, woke memories, the dim consciousness of friends, friends about him which had haunted his solitude from infancy was, infancy, was now at last explained. The central music in every pure experience, which had always just evaded memory, was now at last recovered. Recognition made made him fear of their company. No, made him free of their company, almost before the limbs of his corpse became quiet. Only you were left outside. He saw not only them, he became, or he saw him. This animal, then this thing, begotten in bed, could look upon him. What a blinding, suffocating fire to you. 
is now cool light to him, is clarity itself and wears in the form of man. You would like it if it couldn't, if you could to interpret the patient's prostration in his presence, his self-abhorrence and utter knowledge of his sins. Yes, Wormworld, a clearer knowledge even than yours. On the analogy of your own choking and paralyzing sensations when you encounter the deadly air that breathes from the heart of heaven. But it's all nonsense. Pains he may still have another have to encounter, but they re they embrace those pains. They would not barter them for any earthly pleasure. <clears throat> all the delights of sense of heart or intellect with which you could once have tempted him, even the delights of virtue itself, now seem to him in comparison. But as the half-nuanced attractions of the radiated harlot would seem to a man who hears that his true beloved whom he had loved all his life and whom he had believed to be dead is alive and even now at his door. He is caught up in the world where pain and pleasure take on trans-infinite trans values and all our arithmetic, arithmetic is dismay. Once more, the inexplicable meets us. Next to the course, curse of useless temptations, like your tempters like yourself, the greatest curse upon us is the failure of our intelligence department. If we could only find out what he was really up to, alas, alas, the knowledge in and itself so hateful and mawkish a thing should yet be necessary for power. Sometimes I am almost in despair. All that sustains me is the conviction that our realism, our rejection in the face of all temptations, of all silly nonsense, claptrap, must win in the end. Meanwhile, I have you to settle with. Mostly, true, most truly, I do sign myself your increasingly and ravenously affectionate Uncle Screwtape. So he died. He died, yep. Patient died and went to the good place. Yep. I've always liked how C.S. Lewis describes heaven. Yeah, 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 yeah. To various audiences, however they need to hear it. It's very interesting. Yeah, that was a good way to end that book, for sure. Um, um, yeah. <laughs> I also even like the little plot twist that, like, <laughs> screw tape's going to eat the d demon if he messes up, you know, like in every mess up kind yeah, of like demon feeds off him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, that was an interesting uh, book, yeah. Um, what can you say? What can you say? I feel like I need to sit on it. But we do have our chapters that we're going to read, so we've got one last episode of this, like, series or whatever. Yeah. Um, yeah, so we're finishing that. I actually finished mine last night, and it's interesting reading this last thing because, like, evidently I think like a demon. Oh, no, gosh. <laughs> I kind of nailed some things, so oh, that's boy. interesting. Yeah. Um. Cool. Well, I don't know. I don't know what to say. Yeah. If you have, uh, if you want to try your hand at writing one of these little chapters, that'd be interesting to read. But yeah. Uh, yeah. If not, whatever. Reach out to us at pillowtalkwithmarkandb at gmail.com. Uh, that's all. Adios, I suppose. <laughs>